are in a season of, of prayer, a time where we are asking of the Lord certain things. And when we ask according to his word, we get the request, we get the desires that we have requested of him. Amen. I just looked up the word ask in the Strong's Concordance, and this is simply what it means, to request or to bring a petition. And then I like this. The word usually describes a person making a request of someone in a higher position, such as a child to a parent, a subject to a king, or a person to God. How many parents do we have in here tonight? I'm sure that if you have more than one child, you realized right away how different your children are. And many times so, there's children that are so good at asking and making their request. You see it from the time they're little and you think, whoa, this one ought to be a lawyer. I mean, it's like they study their case, they present it to you, all the facts all the reasons of why it would be beneficial for you to buy them this certain equipment, this certain toy, all of these things. They're very, very good at establishing their case. And sometimes they're so good, they'll even quote scriptures to you and say, Now, Mom, you know, the Lord said, He give me the desires of my heart. And I'm believing this is a desire of my heart. And then they even say, And you know, you said, and they start telling you things that you have preached. And they might even quote, Remember, Remember, you told me if I would do this, that you would get me this. I mean, they just know how to establish their case. And sometimes they get the request simply because they just wear you down. And you're like, hey, they're not taking no for an answer. But you know what? When it comes to God, he wants us to be like that. He wants his children to be bold. Doesn't the Bible say in Hebrews 4, 16, come boldly to the throne room of grace. What do we come for? We're going to receive help, but we also come boldly to the throne room to make our requests known to our loving, wonderful, giving, compassionate heavenly father. And he is not a mean dad. He is a good heavenly father. He's not opposed to us asking. Actually, he likes it when we come into his presence. He doesn't have the attitude, oh, you are so selfish. I can't believe that you want me to save you. I cannot believe that you are have the audacity to ask for healing. How dare you come and ask that I meet your needs? Absolutely not. Because those things are promised to us in the word of God. He has promised us that when we come for healing with the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. It's part of our covenant right. He has told us that he would meet all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. His word tells us we're redeemed from the curse of poverty. We're redeemed from the curse of sickness. So when we come before him laying out a petition based upon the word of God, it makes our father glad. It makes his heart happy that we have the boldness to take what is written in this holy word and present it to him. 
He never says, you are so selfish. He says, yay, I got somebody that believes my word. He even tells us over in the book of Isaiah, it says, come, let us reason together. He wants us to come and to even plead our case to establish our case based upon the word of God. So tonight we're going to just look at a few scriptures, very familiar passages of scripture. But by the time we're done, I believe that your asker is going to be encouraged and you're going to be bolder to ask in the name of Jesus. Let's begin over at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And we'll look at this passage in the King James Version. Now in the King James Version, this passage should be in red because this is Jesus talking to us. And when Jesus says something, do you think that it's true? Do you think that his word is established? Amen. Bible says that God is not a man, that he should lie. If he said it in his word, he's got the power, he's got the ability, he's got the heart, he's got the willingness to carry it out. Amen. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receive it. Notice that says everyone. Now we're going to get a little later. We're going to look at the criteria where we can have assurance when we ask. But God is not a respecter of persons. This word, what it is a respecter of is faith. If we ask in faith, believing, we will receive. Ask, and you shall receive. He that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. What man, or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Again, if you have children, and they come to you, and they're hungry, and they said, I'd like some bread, are you going to say, well, here's a rock, chew on that? Or they come and they say, you know, I'm really hungry. I'd like a piece of that fish. Can we go over to Long John Silver's and get a five-piece fish dinner? Well, you're not going to say, no, let's go out in the woods and find a snake. No, you're going to give them something to eat. Now, granted, some people eat snakes, but we're not going there. We're talking about eating real food. (laughs) When your kid is hungry, you're going to give them something to eat. And then Jesus said, if we ask, it's going to be given. If we seek, we're going to find. If we knock, it is going to be open. Now, what is the result when we do those things? Verse 11. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? Say it again. How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask? He's doing a comparison here. Here, If a natural father is compassionate, is good, is generous, if he feeds his kids when they're hungry, if he clothes them when they need clothes, if he gives them shelter when they need a place to live in, he's just saying if a natural father does that, how much more shall our heavenly father care 
for us. Everybody say it again. How much more? God's love is much, much more than natural love. God's compassion is much, much more than human compassion. God's ability to meet our needs is much, much more than any person's ability. I don't care how much money a person may have. That's great. That's wonderful that they can take care of the natural needs. But no person can give you the joy, give you the peace, give you the love like Jesus can. So how, how much much, much more does our heavenly father meet our needs. Our heavenly father meets needs in every realm. First of all, spiritually, thank God we're born again. Thank God for salvation. He's promised to take care of us much, much more in the area of our physical body. The stripes that Jesus put upon his back were for our healing. He's promised to take care of us much, much more than peace that there is available in the world. He said, I give you peace that the world didn't give you. You can't get this kind of peace out in the world. Much, much more is the peace of God. He said, I'm going to give you joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Yeah, there's some joy. Yeah, there's some happiness out in the world. But there's much, much more in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not right. It's not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Our God. God is the God of the much, much more. Anything that's available in the natural realm, he does it better. Hallelujah. Because he does it in the spiritual realm. Glory be to God. So he's saying here, I am a good father. I am a loving father. And I will do greater things for you than anybody can do for you in the natural. Did you know one of God's names is El Shaddai? It's not El Shippo. It's El Shaddai. And El Shaddai literally means the all-sufficient one. The God that is much, much more. He has promised and he will carry it out to meet all of our needs. And how does he meet our needs anyway? He does it exceedingly, abundantly, above what we can even ask. Love this scripture, Ephesians 3.20. In the New King James, it says this. Now, to him who is able to do, everybody say it, exceedingly, exceedingly. abundantly, abundantly. Above. above. I like that right there, don't you? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask. We're talking about asking tonight. Ask or think. According to the power that is at work in us. Now this same passage in the Amplified amplifies it even more. Look at this. Now to him who by a consequence of of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do with God from abundantly to super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask. Or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Infinitely beyond. That sounds like the God of the much, much more. God is just saying to us, I want you to ask. I want you to stretch 
your capacity to believe me. God is not limited in what he can do. The only limitation is found right here in our mind. We limit him by what we think. By what we perceive that he is able to do. But he says, give me your best. Ask me the biggest thing that you can dare to think or dream. And I, the God of the much, much more, will do super abundantly above what you can ask. He's looking for somebody to believe him. He's looking for people that will take the limits off of him and just see him for who he is. One time when I was praying, I was just a teenager and I loved to just spend time talking to the Lord and praying. And I was just worship him and I was just thanking him for his greatness and I was giving him honor for how big he was. And all of a sudden, it was quite an experience. I just felt myself just engulfed with the presence of God. And I felt myself shrinking. It was just amazing. I felt myself just shrinking. And he was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And he just spoke to my heart and he said, I am so vast. I am so huge. Let me be big in your life. And the thing that he was speaking to me was, let me get bigger and let you get smaller. Because when we are big in our own eyes and in our own thinking, guess what? God's littler in our eyes. If we're the biggest thing, if we think that we're all that, which we're not. But if we think that we're really something and we got all these abilities and we're so big and we can do this and we can do that. Guess what? If you're so big, God's not very big in your life. But when you say it's not an unworthy consciousness, but it is a, a, a dependence upon him. It's an acknowledgement of God. You are greater than I am. God, you are the most high God. And Lord, I want more of you and less of me. I want you to be the biggest thing in my thinking. I want you to be the greatest thing in my life. Hallelujah. Less of me and more of you, Jesus. Super abundantly. The God of the much, much more. That's who we come to. That's who we make our requests to. And you know, it's important. Even in this scripture that we just read. It says over and above what we dare ask. We have to ask of him. Why is that? Because that's the way that he has established it. People say, well, doesn't God know what I need? Yes, he does know what you need. But he wants you to acknowledge what you need. And he wants you to recognize he is the source of that need. That's why he wants us to ask. When we ask of him, we are saying, God, I acknowledge I can't do this. I acknowledge I can't make this happen. So I am coming to you, the source of 
everything. The one, the all-sufficient one, El Shaddai, the one that meets all of my needs. So what does asking involve? It involves speaking. I heard Lynn Hammond say this years ago, and recently I just heard it again this week, and it, it just moves me. She said, the mouth moves the hand of God. Our mouth moves the hand of God. And then this statement, the mouth always precedes his hand. What is that saying to us? Our words, our faith, speaking and declaring what the Bible says is what moves God's hand to meet the need. Did you know that it's a trick of the enemy to get us to say the wrong thing? Anybody ever been tempted to say the wrong thing? To just talk about the problem, magnify the difficulty, speak doubt, speak unbelief, speak ugly about these people. They're horrible. They're terrible. Man, oh, they're the outcasts of the earth. Oh, they're never going to change. Man, my financial situation is just horrible. I'm never going to get through this difficult season. Get us to talk and speak negative Words. Why is he encouraging that? Because words are containers and words contain power and words paint pictures. If you always talk negatively, even about yourself, I'm such a loser. I can't do this. I can't do that. Nothing good ever happens for me. What are you doing? You're painting a picture on the inside of you of failure and of defeat. And so the enemy encourages those kind of words. And it's another trick of the devil, a device of his. He tries to get us to talk and say something when we shouldn't. And then to, to speak when we should be silent. And then to be silent when we should speak. To speak when we should be silent. When your body is racked with pain or your body's crying out or this is happening or that's happening and all these thoughts are bombarding your mind and you're wanting to just blurt it all out. That's a time to be quiet. Just not say all those thoughts that are coming. So he tries to get us to speak when we should be silent. But on the other hand, to be silent when we should speak. It's not, it's not enough just not to talk about the problem. It's not enough not just to speak ugly, doubt-filled words. We also have to turn it around and don't be silent when we should speak. It's to speak up. Speak the word. Amen. Declare what God has said. The Bible tells us in Psalms 107 verse 2, Let the redeemed... Of the Lord say so. So when these things that we've been told we're redeemed from. And you know Galatians 3, 13 says we're redeemed from the curse of the law. So when these things that are under the curse. Sickness. Poverty. Depression. 
attacks of the mind, all of these things that are under the curse, when they crop up in our life, what are we supposed to do? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Start declaring, I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm redeemed from sickness. I'm redeemed from poverty. I'm redeemed from my fa- from family issues. I'm redeemed from stress. I'm redeemed from discouragement. I'm redeemed from depression. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So when that temptation comes for you to be silent and not speak the word, that's the time to speak. Hallelujah. Speak up. Speak loud. Speak proud. And speak bold. I'm redeemed. And if that's the only thing that you can think of and all these negative thoughts are coming, then you just start saying, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I am the redeemed and I am saying so. I'm redeemed from the curse. I'm redeemed from these negative thoughts. I'm redeemed from this. I'm not receiving this. I'm going to say what the word of God says. Yesterday when I was praying about this and writing some things down. I, I just, this just came to me. Say the word, speak the answer, and pray the promise. You ought to write that down. Say the word, speak the answer, and pray the promise. Hallelujah. John Wesley said this. He said, it seems that God is limited By our prayer life. That he can do nothing for humanity. Unless someone asks him. We know that God is not limited. But he is limited by our prayer life. Why is that? He's given us dominion. Here in this earth. He has given us the authority. Here in this earth. And so we have to invite him. Into the affairs of our life. We have to unleash the power. We have to plug into the power like pastor preached today. We have to do it with our faith. We have to do it with our confession. Now if we are to ask God. Like this just says here. He's limited by our prayer life. So we need to ask him. Biblical asking is not whining. It's not begging. It's not hoping. It's not wishing. It's not just coming to God and, ah, these horrible people, these awful kids. Oh, God, I need new kids. These kids are driving me crazy. Whining and begging and complaining. There's a place, obviously, to pour your heart out to God. I'm not saying that. But don't stay there. Don't stay down in the molly grubs. Don't stay in that whining, emotional realm. Find a scripture to cover your case. We said all that to get to this verse. I didn't have half of that stuff in my notes. But I believe that the Spirit of God is helping us tonight. He's leading us. So we're going to look at this wonderful passage in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 in the Amplified. This is how you ask. This is how you petition the throne room of grace. The Amplified in verse 14. 
And this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness, which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and he hears us. And since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, look at all the many times that we've seen ask or make our request already, in whatever we ask, we know, we know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions the request made of him. This passage of scripture really speaks for itself, but we'll expound on it just a little bit. Do you want to have full assurance, complete confidence, privilege of boldness, settled down absolute knowledge that your petitions are granted, that your prayers are answered, that you possess what you have requested, then how is that going to happen? Well, the answer was right there in verse 14. Then we must ask according to his will in agreement with his plan. Can anybody tell me what his will is? What? What? His word is his will. Brother Hagin said this many times and heard it over and over. Find a scripture that covers your case. Find a scripture that covers your case. Then you will be able to ask in confidence. You'll be able to ask with assurance. You'll be able to ask with boldness because you know it is his will and it is established in your heart. Establish your case before you ask. Now, don't take this wrong, but oftentimes we pray too soon. We get an evil report. We have a crisis that arises and we just become an emotional wreck and we go whining, we go screaming and we go, you know, all this way into the presence of God. And again, of course, there's a place to pour out your emotions in whatever in God's presence. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't stay there. Don't let that be your petition because that is not a petition. That is not making your request known to him. So once you get through all of that, grab yourself up and go and find a scripture that covers your case. You may not exactly find a scripture that says, well, I'm going to give you a new job at this new plant. But you will find a scripture that says, 
I'm compassed about with favor. The favor, the righteous are compassed about with favor. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I have been made more than a conqueror. He has promised to meet all of my needs. He has said he would do super abundantly above in my life. And if you are a giver and you are a tither, then you can say, thank God, the windows of heaven are opened unto me. He's rebuking the devourer. Find a scripture that covers your case and school yourself into faith. Out of emotions and into faith. Out of wavering into established and settled and fixed upon the word of God. Because the Bible tells us in James chapter 1 verse 6 that we're not to be double-minded. If you're wavering one day in faith, one day in the emotions all over the place, it says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And let not that man think that he shall receive anything of God. There it is right there. Uh, We need not to be wavering. Not to be double-minded. And the only way that will occur is to find a scripture that covers your case. I know this is simple teaching tonight. And I don't often get in a real teaching flow. But I'm sensing God is helping people. He's wanting us to come up higher. He's wanting all of us to experience the joy of answered prayer. There's nothing like when you've made that petition, when you've laid that request out before God and you see it answered. Hallelujah. Talk about putting a spring in your step. Talk about putting joy unspeakable on your lips. God wants to help his people. He wants us to get it right so that we can enjoy the fruit of answered prayer. Hallelujah. Now, just today, when pastor was preaching in the second service, I don't, you know, the the anointing is strong in this place and revelation knowledge is flowing. He wasn't preaching along these lines, but it just came up in my heart because I knew I was going to be talking about ask. And the spirit of God just gave me this acrostic for the word ask. So you might want to write this down. I thought it was pretty good. A, assurance. We're supposed to ask. We just read it here. In John, 1 John 5, 14, this is the assurance, the boldness, the confidence that we have. So this is the proper way to ask. A, ask with assurance. F, ask with surety. I had to go and look that word up because it came up in my heart. Surety is this, means this, the state of being confident. And then this was really good. Something that secures. Like you have to put up collateral or something for a loan. Something that secures. That's surety. Confidence. Something that secures. Guess what, folks? We have surety. We have confidence. We have a covenant established upon better promises. We are in relationship with a covenant 
keeping God. There's no greater security than to know that I am his and he is mine. I abide in him and his words abide in me. I am in right standing with my father. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I can ask according to his will with confidence, with assurance, with Surety. And then K, knowing. And all of these words really were just in the passage that we read. We also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions. That's the way to ask with assurance, surety, and a knowing. Knowing That you know, that you know, that you know that God loves you. Knowing that you know, that you know that his word does not return void. Knowing that you know, that you know he sent his word and he healed them. Knowing that you know, that you know that you have favor with God in hand, that you are the righteousness of God, that not one word, there had not failed one promise of all of his word to you. Hallelujah. He's establishing his covenant. He's establishing his word in your life. That's the way to ask. Because when you ask like that, you get the petition that you have. Requested of him. Now I know tonight that there are personal, you have personal needs in here. I'm sure there's people that probably need healing in their body. You have relatives that aren't born again. All sorts of of different things that are going on in people's lives. But this afternoon, as I was uh, preparing this, I just sensed in my heart that we are, we're going to spend a time of prayer because we are still in a season of prayer. And I went through scripture and I found some things that we are to pray for based upon the word of God. So I'm going to ask you to offer your supply tonight. We'll take time at the end of the service if you have needs in your individual life. But you know, it's good for us to grow. It's good for us to develop and to pray for other people and to pray for other situations. The time is early. I have like seven things that I went through and found scriptures on. And I'm just going to read them. I'm going to read a verse and then we're going to just agree upon that. Can you do that? Can you believe God? Hallelujah. I may have pastor help me pray, but so far I'm doing good. So let's all stand. Hallelujah. I'm going to go up here because I know when y'all stand, you need to... Probably easier to see me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible tells us as believers, actually it says, first of all, that we are to pray for our nation and we are to pray for those in position of authority. So let me read you this passage of scripture. We found a scripture that covers our case. First Timothy chapter two, verse one. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good 
and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, we've been praying this in our prayer meetings. This came from a a friend of ours. It's over our nation. So we're going to do this right now. I'm going to say this, and you all just agree with me. Satan, I take authority over you, and I tell you to take your hands off of the political arena, the social arena, the economic arena. I loose the power of God and the will of God into the political arena, the social arena, and the economic arena of our nation. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we do lift up our nation to you. And we lift up our president. We lift up those in authority. We thank you, Father, that the hand of the king, the heart of the king, is in the hand of the Lord. We thank you, Father, that things are changing in the political arena. Thank you, Lord, that there is a returning to righteousness. There is a bodresa, sombra. Things are changing in the political realm. Now, if you pray in the spirit, go ahead. Let's spend a few minutes just praying in the Holy Ghost to get it Stir yourself up to pray for our nation. Our nation needs prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for that change that is happening in the political arena. Oh, Father, and in the economic arena. In Jesus' name, we declare that our economy is blessed. Lord, we know our nation is not perfect, but we do know that our nation does give, that there are madresobaha to missions all over the world, that there are good seeds, that there is benevolent seed that comes from our nation, even unto those into time of need, even unto those that are facing disaster. So Father, we have standing ground because our nation is a giving nation. Then we, in the name of Jesus, we cry out for a turn, a turn in the economic realm. We thank you, Father. Things are turning around, that the economy is blessed, the economy is established, the economy me is stable. Now, right now, who in here needs a job? We're praying for the economy that just came up. If you need a job, just come and stand down here in the front. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need a job? You need a breakthrough financially? We can even include that. You need some sort of breakthrough. Maybe you have a job, but it's not sufficient to meet your needs, then you come on down here too. Hallelujah. There is an anointing. Now, is everybody here going to offer their supply tonight? I know.